Philo people. Welcome back to the Philo Podcast. We're here to help you become more effective as a technical artist in the local church so that your church can become more effective. And we try to do that through not only this podcast, but everything else we do, the Philo Conference, Philo Coaching, Coaching Cohorts, and our Philo Resources, which include the book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas. You can check out our website to find out more about all that Philo has to offer. Hey, how's everyone doing? If you're like most churches, you probably started your ministry season up again and the summer downtime, in air quotes, downtime, it's over and now it's time to dig into the year. So pile on top of that, getting kids ready to go back to school or they're back in school, but you've been trying to like start a new routine. It can be very easy to be overwhelmed and we haven't even started working on Christmas yet. Or maybe, maybe you have, maybe you're one of the few, but most of us still just Christmas is just a thought a long way off. And this reminded me of a conversation I had while doing a live stream last week with the Facebook group Live Streaming for Churches. One of the questions they asked me was about the disparity between what a church pays a production person versus what the industry pays. And honestly, I didn't have a great answer because there isn't a great answer. Uh, But what it got me talking about was the fact that nobody really understands what we do. The people in our church, they don't know what we do. We're like the auto mechanic. You know, you take your car to the mechanic when it needs work done. You don't exactly know what's involved, but you pay it and you drive away and it works. And that's all you need to know. And so for people attending our churches and for the non-technical people that we work with, they just know that the services happen. You know, the mics are on, the lights are aimed, the graphics are on the screen, but nobody really understands how that happens. And some of that comes from the fact that You know, we're designed as production people to do production, so we get it. And other people, they're designed for something that I don't necessarily get. On the other hand, we don't really talk much about what it takes or what is involved. You know, we just kind of put our heads down and get the work done. We stay under the radar, you know, kind of leave me alone and let me get my work done. And I would just say as the busy season ramps up, I would encourage everyone to not just suck it up as the work piles up. Be in contact with your leadership to let them know what it takes to pull off the new ideas this fall. Help them understand the cost of what they're asking of you and your team. Now, this can't necessarily just be a statement like, you know what, we can't do that, or I'm already working too much. The reality is that since people don't know what we do in the first place, I mean, having a vague statement like I work too much already doesn't really help our case. And it's important for you to have some idea at your disposal of what makes sense to the non-technical people to speak their language. So I would just say before too much time goes by, consider keeping track of your hours and how you spend them. Maybe document each 15 minute increment for a couple weeks, just to see what your schedule actually looks like. I know this sounds like one more thing to add to your already busy plate, but getting a handle on where all the time goes will help you make a case for what you can and can't take on. And for me, it helped me to figure out what I could accomplish in a normal week so that I could adequately gauge new ideas that people were having against the regular workload of an average week. It also helped my leadership understand a little more about where all the hours went. And sometimes it helped to redirect some of my attention away from non-essential tasks to more critical functions. And while your leadership might not ever totally get your job, you can leverage their leadership to help make better decisions on how and where to spend your time. For instance, you know, I can take on X if you can help me decide what to not do this week or help me figure out how to get the task done a different way. This helps share the responsibility and not just having you own it entirely yourself. 
All this has some relevance to today's podcast topic. I got a chance to sit down with Jeremy Bagwell from Ross Video. And while Ross is one of Philo's partners, we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about all the cool new ways that Ross is here to help support the local church, although they are here for that. But we did talk about the idea of burnout and life stage challenges uh, with being a technical artist in the local church. Jeremy was on staff in a few churches before making the move to Ross, so he has some really great perspective on what we all experience in trying to keep our schedule under some kind of control. So let's jump into the conversation. Jeremy, how's it going? It's great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, cool. I was trying to think about, we've worked together sort of on this, on one big project or maybe more than one, but at like such different areas that like we bumped into each other at mealtime. That was pretty yes. much it. But we both have worked the Passion Conference, well, at least the last couple of years that it existed right. in person. Yeah, so... I think, yeah, I remember sitting down, you know, at some crazy hour eating some meal that I'm like, should I be eating now? But this is the That's time right. to eat. So, yeah, right. just go it's for like it. It's like the second dinner or second <laughs> lunch or whatever. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, well, we've been up for 18 hours. Right. It's hours, a, 11 Zs. Yeah. As, yeah the, right. as they would say in the Lord of the Rings. Anyway, yeah. let's uh, maybe just talk about before we dive into like the, the meaty subjects. <laughs> uh, why don't we talk about just kind of what you do now and then maybe the story that kind of led you to this place. So what I do now is I am business development manager for what we call worship production at Ross Video. Now, worship production is a a term that we started using once I jumped in. It was house of worship. I have a big pet peeve with the word with house worship as a phrase. So I was like, hey, let's do something different. It's called worship production. So what that really means is I champion the cause of church for Ross Video. Okay. Basically what it means is I want to be the person that is the biggest fan of all the church production tech guys okay. uh, around the world. And so like, I know what you've been through. I know how you do things. And to be honest, I know what it was like to be on the other side of the fence when a manufacturer was trying to sell to me. Right. And me, I'm like, I don't want to be the guy that I didn't like. Right, so yeah. <laughs> let's figure this out and do this differently. So okay. that's, what I, that's why I call it champion the cause of church for okay. Ross, not the other way around, because the church is a legitimate production industry. And I feel like mm-hmm. sometimes... Is perceived as the redheaded stepchild. Sure, of right. Manufacturers, yeah, just right. Because different reasons. Sure. And I wanted to say, hey, let's amplify because mm-hmm. it's already legitimate. Let's amplify the legitimate industry that it is, and let's really serve it well. So, sure. That's that's my that's my spill right there. That's your elevator pitch for what yes. you do. Yeah, that's why right. you get a paycheck. Um, And I know you've also, with Ross, kind of done some video training stuff with MXU and just trying to uh, equip the local church, yeah. I just love what they're doing. And Jeff Sandstrom and I worked together at North Point. Okay. And so when I came on to Ross, I was like, Jeff, we need to do some video tutorial stuff like Carbonite users. There's We have a lot of Carbonites which are in churches. And so like, this makes sense. Like, hey, I want to put uh, educational resources on your platform for our users to learn how to use our stuff. So sure, it just made sense for us to do that. And for me, I'm not a salesy guy. I just want to give all the folks like who I was the tools to succeed. So sure, kind of whatever means necessary to make that happen. Yeah, that's cool. Now, so, okay, let's now back way up. So how, <laughs> how did you end up at Ross? What did you, like, how did you, yeah, where did it all begin? Okay, so it all began, I, I grew up as a pastor's kid okay. in the 
the southern United States. That's where I get my wonderful accent from. So, <laughs> War um, Eagle, I'm going to say right off the uh, top. War Eagle, will, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I like the color red. That's all I'll say. Oh, uh, ouch. So, yeah. So, I uh, grew up in the south in Georgia, uh, town north of Atlanta. And um, my dad was a pastor. From there, around middle school-ish, we left church ministry. That was in the 80s, early 90s. And this is kind of the dark days of like church splits and all that kind of stuff. So that okay. kind of happened to our family. We eventually landed at a fairly large church in the area. My dad got a job working the school system and stuff. And so God really provided. I could care less about a church at that point. I was like, okay. hey, church, youth group. I'm shy, like, I don't, I'm not interested. Eventually, I got, we moved to a church down the street that was like making this modern shift into like doing modern day music in okay. that style. Yep. One of the first churches in our area doing it. And I went to a church camp where this little band, I mean, this is like late 90s. Okay. Yeah. 96. And this little band called Mercy Me. And they okay. were like little, <laughs> like no one knew them. Like they were in middle school. Yeah. I think their CDs were like burned. You know, it wasn't, you right, know, how you right. had the burned CDs and like professionally produced CDs. For sure, so I think yeah. I got like a burned CD of first which <laughs> now they're probably like, no, you didn't. Anyway, but they were, that's how small they were. And they were playing this music that I was like, whoa, this, and God just really rocked me. And I was like, okay, doing, engaging with God in this way, I've never experienced before. Like this is life altering. And so, from that moment forward, uh, I had some really great mentors growing up through youth group and college ministry and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, oh God calling me into ministry. And then, then it was like early 2000s. You're like, what do you do with God? Okay, well, you do student ministry. And so, right, right. That's because that's just all there was. There was the Willow Creeks and Saddlebacks and big dogs, but there many, you know, the percentage, like 1% was the production guys, right? Like, right, right, for sure. There wasn't this production industry like we have now, but. So I did youth ministry for a period of time, really figured out I hated sermon prep. Like I just okay. was not a sermon prep guy. <laughs> uh, I would spend all my time doing lighting and audio and um, all that. And I played in bands through high school and college. I played guitar, okay. like right. worship bands so on that side of it. Um, but yeah, figured out, hey, let's do the lot. Let's set the environment the right way. Let's. I'm, I'm just soaking all that stuff up. And okay. eventually a church, the church I was working at was like, I was like, hey, can we just move me over into production and let my intern be the student pastor? And they're like, <laughs> that's a great idea. And I'm like, I yeah. don't know if that, I don't know what that yeah, says about right. me, but okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, they're, um, they're, yeah, is that a compliment uh, that they gave you? Or like, right. thank God he figured this right. out. And it's moving right. on, yeah. <laughs> yes. So I was really fortunate. I moved over into production. So we oversaw our uh, Sunday services. And from there, I just uh, was a sponge learning all mm. I could. And then I moved from there to 12 Stone Church, which is right down oh, the road. Sure. Yeah. Helped. We launched five campuses all on the same day at once, which was. Wow. Yes. That <laughs> was crazy. Oh, oh my so, goodness. Had some fun time with that. Fell in love with video directing and video okay. systems there. All right. I'll tell you why later. Then from there, I moved to North Point Community Church. So it's crazy. I three, worked for three different churches over the last 16 years, and I never had to move from my house. Oh, wow. And I'm like, it's okay. This is just a blessing from God. Like, sure. it's really, really unique and rare, and I'm very thankful for it. So, although I have to say, uh, you did move from your house because didn't you move into a camper? 
for a few, oh, I did. few months. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so we just moved gotcha. back into our house. <laughs> yeah. Got me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, we lived in a camper on our property for five and a half months over wow. from this past November to April. Okay. It should have been three months, but the remodel took a little bit longer thanks sure. to COVID. And did you do yeah. a lot of that work yourself? No, uh, thankfully. Okay. My wife has learned that I um, I love starting and sure. I don't finish very well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I hear that. I was banned from doing this project on my own. Okay. Yeah. Which is why we live in a house now. Nice. Not yes. Still in this camper. Instead of a camper. Nice. Right. Yeah. Smart idea though to uh, live in a camper for you know while your while your house yeah. is being yeah renovated. Nice. It was, it's just a way. It's. It was my wife's idea. I'm like, I'm all getting for it. I was sure, like, you right. really want to do it? She's like, yeah, let's do it. I'm like, you know, whenever the wife is like excited about living in 208 square feet yeah. with two kids and two dogs, <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, let's why go. not? It'll yeah. make for good stories later. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Now, so in your journey through the churches, you said you kind of fell in love with video. I'm imagining at 12 Stone or even the church before you were kind of doing everything how did that push towards video happen? Just because you started five campuses on the same weekend or yeah, what was the... The, ch- the church I started at didn't do iMagra video cameras or anything. So okay. it was a 700 seat auditorium, pretty real, actually smaller than that. Okay. No video. I cut my teeth on a bunch of Yamaha audio consoles and mixed and did the whole, I submixed the Avion monitors and yeah, know, right. Yeah, sure. All that. All the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got a 12 stone and I was uh, managing one of our campuses, learned a little bit about video. And then I had the opportunity to move to our main campus and be the production director of our originating campus. Okay. And uh, there we didn't have a staff. The staff was a little bit, structure was different. So we didn't have someone overseeing video, which when you go to originating campus, it's like all about video at that point. <laughs> yeah, right. So seems odd. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just jumped in and I'm like, hey, let's learn all we can. And then I realized I, I'd never video directed before in my life. I sat mm. behind this switcher and I'm like, okay, I, I got five cameras and then a keyer for my graphics. Like, okay, I can do this. And so uh, right. I just did a Sunday service. I think when the campus, another campus pastor was subbing in. So it was like, you know, a little bit Chill, lower yeah. level of intensity. So right, right. I was like, oh, this is fun. Like you could be on com with all these people. And like, we just had... For me, that's, I was like relational techie guy. Sure. So for uh-huh. me, it was like, okay, this is fun. I just started doing it more and more. And I'm like, this is amazing. You get to create this thing with these people together. All, right. all the other positions that you operate in almost are a little bit like a so, isolation uh, for that hour, right. right? Yeah. Or you're creating in your own little thing and getting right. feedback. But being actively on comm, solving problems quickly, figuring out pressing buttons and like being able to really have a layer of control, but also be with people. Sure. Was very, very attractive to me. So oh, that's, that's why cool. I just fell in love with it. And like, hey, let's, let's do it. This is my thing. Now, do you prefer to switch yourself while you're directing or do you like to have somebody else uh, pushing the buttons? So I have five fingers like everybody else does. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. if I can switch that service using these five fingers, uh-huh. yes, okay, I'm going to do it myself. But okay. once we get above five, six, seven cameras, right? you really need somebody else pressing the button. Now at North Point, there's nights of worships and things like that where I was like, okay, I'm gonna make this work. And to be honest, I just, I, I made a lot of mistakes because I right, was like, right. no, I'll just do it all myself, right? Sure. But I ended up making more mistakes, but timing was really important to me. So I wanted to make it work. But anyway, that's kind of my rule of thumb. Yeah. 
Yeah, I always found that I always found that it was difficult to get the words out uh, fast enough. You know what I'm thinking of doing. I can push that button a lot better Man. than I can figure out how to say what I'm thinking. The language. So Rusty Anderson and I are really close friends, and we work uh, a lot together, passion and stuff. And so yeah. we talk a lot of times about how the mistakes and the like. One of the phrases you've said on com when you're and then you play them back in your head, and you're like, "Oh crap, that that I shouldn't have said that." Like where I made I made a mistake. I hit the wrong camera, right? And I'm like, "Oh, right. that was dumb." Well, like immediately I realized that when me saying that on Kong to five camera ops, yeah. they, one of the five of them is interpreting that what they're doing is dumb. Right, right. Yeah. You know, so, but <laughs> yeah. it just came out of my mouth. And I'm like, you know, as you do it a lot, you realize you say those things, catching like, oh, no, no, I wasn't talking about you guys. Right, um, right. Sorry, yeah. it's something I did. Yeah. So I used to direct video. So this is going way, way back. Three cameras. And I had no idea what I was doing on so many levels. And I just can remember, yeah, so much fun to make something with other people. And I would get so pumped and, you know, worked up during worship or whatever. And then at the end of it, either be like, man, that was great, guys. Or more often than I was like, hey, sorry, I got kind of worked up there trying to, you know, just like trying to get the words out of like, no, I, I need this shot and, you know, whatever. So... But yeah. I was always pushing the buttons, but only three cameras. So, and I have to say, like this is uh, we the church I was at is a portable campus, and uh, it was before graphics, so <laughs> I didn't have any graphics to worry about. It was only only three cameras. It was easy <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> back in the day, yeah, but I'm we sure had... you made those three cameras look like six cameras. Oh, you have no That's idea. That's what we would like to yeah. say, you know. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, so from 12 Stone, you went to to North Point. When did you kind of like shift more into the video systems area? Yeah. Like did that shift happen at North Point or was it kind of all along? So it was really all along. It's like system design had been something that as you lead that production environment, you just have responsibilities in. Yeah. So while I was hands-on directing a lot, you quickly understand the flaws of the video systems or audio system, whatever you may be doing. Right, right. And so... That just kind of like developed within me. I'm never a film guy. Like recording videos and making videos is like, oh, I, that's not me. Sure. Like live video and live systems, I love it. So yeah, the okay. design, the pain associated with it, the pain points of your system, routing, patch base, audio, embed, the embed. Like I love that stuff because those are things that like I know the pain points of like when our senior pastor is like, hey, could we go fix that in post? And I'm like, all right, what did we capture? Like how, <laughs> yeah. yes, we can't, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. So, hey, I want another TV on stage. Right, uh, yeah, yes, exactly. It's should like, be oh, easy. Yeah. In 30 uh, minutes. Mm, yeah, with a yeah. different output. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> right. So that had always been like system, understanding systems and stuff. And so when I moved to North Point, uh, we had volunteer video directors, so I didn't get to direct as okay. much. And I shared are like, this is at, I call it Alpharetta Campus. Sure, North main Point. campus, yeah. Main campus. Um, Maybe we shouldn't say that, but you know, between you and me, main is. campus. Yeah, yes, we it. all know. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. So we shared a central router with our multi-site people. So we're like this hub and spoke design. It's changed since then. But so I had to kind of jump in and really learn like, okay, what can I touch and can't I touch? Because there's some feeds that are going to the other campus that if we reroute that, then they lose Andy. You know? Right, right. Yeah. So I quickly like that was a whole nother 
level of learning and understanding like how to do this shared resource system with a multi-site church with a multi-site team on the local team. Yeah. So that's good. Fun learnings. Yeah. I mean, every multi-site church is different and how they manage kind of the tension of who do we listen to in any given moment? You know, does the campus matter at this moment more than the, you know, the, all the campuses and like, how did you kind of manage that your way through that, that tension? So, yeah, I've had a lot to, a lot of thoughts on it. Um, mm-hmm. I was just really lucky enough to have the relational skills. I knew like me and the multi-site team need to be best friends. Right. And I knew like, yeah. you know, if, I was a fan of centralization anyway. And right. at that, I was like, what, mid thirties when I came to North Point. So okay. uh, early to mid thirties. So I hadn't had a lot of experiences along the way. I feel like I kind of learned like, I got nothing to prove, right? Sure, okay. And so, hey, I'm a campus guy, but at the end, end of the day, we're all working toward the same goal and sure. there's gonna be tensions to manage and problems to solve. And I wanna be able to over communicate to both our local team and the multi-site team and go, okay, here's the, here's what we're dealing with. What do you want to be involved with? What do you want to be involved with? And like, right. hey, we'll put a plan together. Sure. And it, it's just, it worked. And we saw it not work with some campuses. There were some campuses that um, really wanted to play by their own rules and not play by the multi-campus rules. And right. that created tension with the multi-campus teams yeah. when it was like multi-campus teams show up and they're like, what? Where's the router output that used to go to an encoder? Well, oh, we changed that. Oh, why change that? I'm like, (laughs) guys, you need to tell them that. Like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) If you just told them that, they wouldn't be mad in this moment. Like, right, right. So it's just all those things. Like, you just got to over communicate. And um, Micah Stevens, who leads the multi site team over at North Point, just incredible. Like, he's like, just tell me everything and I'll filter what I don't want to (laughs) know. I was like, great. That's easy for me. Like, great. He's like, just tell me it all. And then I'll <laughs> I'll decide what I care about and not care about. And I'm like, well, that works it works well for my style. So yeah, yeah. I think it's just the way it was. So much of what we do, it doesn't matter who you're trying to work with, but can all be figured out if you have a relationship that goes beyond like the problem that's right in front of you. Yes. In your case, you know, being kind of in the space with the multi-site people, like you're physically together, probably helped a lot more than say Brown's Bridge. Yes. You know, they're 100%. separated by miles and how often are they actually, you know, in the same room? And yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I would always say to folks, like, even though we're very technically minded, mm-hmm. we really got to figure out like, okay, who are the right people? You know, whether you are gifted relationally or not, there's still a certain level of like, you got to just make some effort. Right, right. You know, to stay connected relationally to the right people. Um, and it's easy for me to say, cause that's just a little bit how I'm wired, but I've led people in the past that struggle in that area. Right. And I'm like, hey, let's, you just gotta start taking some steps towards it. Yeah, if you're a campus TD or, you know, you work at, a, at the campus level, there are things about the multi-site, the central team or whatever, that you really have no idea what the dynamics are or the things they're trying to accomplish. And the same thing applies to the central team. They don't know what it's like to be at your campus on a Sunday when, you know, stuff is you, happening. You just have no idea. what that campus pastor is asking for. Right, yeah. Because that campus pastor has no clue the level of ask that he's asking for. Right, right. There needs to be this kind of two-way street. doesn't matter really what your 
campus model is, you know, how you function. But if the, if there's a there's a central team, it's like just share your struggles, try to understand what's going on at the central level. If we were all like our own our own churches, it would be a lot easier. But chances are you wouldn't have those resources if you were your own That's church. Right. You know, um, exactly so, right. Yeah. Yep. There's always I say we're never going to solve the problem, and yeah. we just yeah. got to. You just got to learn the ecosystem you're at and realize like no one's got anything to prove. Just be humble and wade into the deep. Yeah, yeah. We used to call it the tunnel of chaos. Like it just, it's crazy. You got to get through it. I mean, it just, you got to learn, figure out how to get to the other side of it. That's right. Yeah. Oh, so good. So you've been at North Point and then did you kind of make the jump directly from North Point to Ross or was there a period of time of freelance or anything like that in there? So I, I made the jump direct. Okay. I realized there's a moment in time. I'll never forget it. Hmm. Brad Weston is a prisoner guy. Um, <laughs> and he was a volunteer for me at North Point. Okay. Yeah. And so he and I were in the green room and he's walking down. We're walking to the control room or something. He's like, hey, how are you doing? I'm like, man, I'm great. Because that's what you do at 6.30 in the morning. You're like, hey, I'm great. Yeah, yeah. Just, everything's great. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, Sunday, Sunday's my favorite day. And it, in that moment, when I said that phrase, I realized like, that's the first time I've actually had to fake that phrase. Okay. And I was like, and I promised myself a long time ago, when Sunday is not the favorite day of the week, I need to really evaluate hmm. some things. Yeah. So that, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh, Sunday is not my favorite day of the week anymore. Wow. Like, huh, huh, huh. You know, so you start yeah. looking at it and then <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to do with that. So I told my wife, I'm like, okay, let's start praying about it. You know, do all those Christian, Christianese things. Sure, right, yeah. You do about it and you're like, okay. And uh, I just started uh, reaching out to my network and saying, hey, I'm kind of looking of something else other than Sunday church work. And um, I had a friend of mine say, I think Ross is hiring for this position. I saw the position. I was like, oh, this is incredible. And so it was awesome. I interviewed January, February, pre-COVID. So, okay, and then right. hiring was frozen. <laughs> that was real fun. Uh-huh. And then, then July of 2020, okay. I got hired by Ross. So I've got to learn a lot of awesome opportunities through COVID at North Point, um, which was, yeah, I think every church has had a lot of tensions with all that. And then joined Ronson in, uh, in July. Yeah, so okay. it's quite an awkward moment where I was like, okay, God, it was that waiting. I, okay, God, I think this is where you're going, but I, I can't, I literally can't control. It. I sure, right. <laughs> would love to control this. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, email Ross every other day and be like, hey, what's he doing? What you doing? What's up? I'm doing yeah. anything? <laughs> but I was like, okay, we're just going to wait. I yeah. trust you. So. Okay. I, I would love to go back to the thing that you said, you know, like when it dawned on you, like I'm faking this, like I don't love Sunday. Was that like a totally new thing or you'd never experienced kind of that moment where you don't really question like, what am I doing? And, and, then, and then sort of followed up with, I think I need to dig into this a little bit more. Yeah. I've always kind of questioned at times, you know, you have those like moments where you're like, oh, it's 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm doing a stay set sign. I'm rehanging LED panels. <laughs> I don't and know what like, you mean, but. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, this is horrible. Like, why am I doing this? Like, 
in those moments, it was, it's always, and then you're like able to see above. You're like, okay, let me get right, a bigger right. picture. Okay, cool. We're good. Like in that moment, it was completely different because it was a Sunday. And I really genuinely thought Sundays were the best days of the week, in my right. opinion. Like, this is great. I get to hang out with my friends, you know, volunteers, we're leading, it's fun, it's technical, it's challenging, like all the things. Right. So it had, had always been fun for me. And I just had to be true to myself in that sure. moment where I'm like, okay, why is it? It's not, I'm, I'm like, that's what I was like. Then you're like, think, okay, is it that moment? And you got to get above it and go, okay, no, everything's fine. Or is it really something to that? And I started sure. digging and it was like, yeah, there's something to it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't classify necessarily as burnout. I think burnout gets overused sometimes. Sure. Is, I'm pretty fresh in my thinking about this, so feel free to yeah, disagree. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, uh, I don't think it was burnout. I think it was genuinely like, okay, my wife has a full-time job. My kids are now at school. Fridays are really cool when we, you know, through early kid life because Fridays I hung out with my kids right, and had right. the day off. So now it's like, Fast forwarding, I'm like, okay, cool. By Saturday at like 8 p.m., I'm starting to get in Sunday mode. Wife and kids are not home till Friday at four. And then it's like, and that start that like. Interesting, yeah. Pattern. And then of some friends of ours who don't go to church were like, hey, let's go to a cabin next weekend. I'm like, well, oh, I'm okay. Well, I can't really do that. It's not that I've hated the church life. I was right. like, man. I want to experience something different on the weekends, I think. Like, I think God has something different for our family. And so that's why I've wrestled around, am I burned out or is it just a career development thing? Is it just, I I don't know. I haven't like resolved myself to like fully understanding it, but just know like, I think there's a lot of that wrestling around with a lot of our folks in the career and like, Sunday's coming every Sunday. Like, right, right. What do you do with this career of being a technical person that it's just more and more and more and more, you know? Yeah. I resonate a lot with your story because I, I kind of had a similar moment where I just like woke up one day and I'm like, I just don't want to go to work. I'm like, what? What's going on? <laughs> I'm like, I love working. <laughs> and to wake up and not want to go. And I was sort of big on, telling my kids like let's figure out what you love to do and then let's just figure out ways to push you in that direction so that by the time it's you know you're old enough to pick a career or whatever you've got a good storehouse of information on the things that you love to do because that's what I was doing that's kind of the the promise I'd made to myself uh, as a younger person and to then like be in this moment like I I think I hate my job Um, what's going on there. This doesn't look good to my kids. You know that I'm saying, (laughs) find something you love to do. And, and they're seeing me like, why is dad coming home grumpy every day? You know? So it's been a few years now since I've had that moment. And I, looking back on it, I think I was, I think I really wrestled with the, like, I don't want to let anyone down. Like just Mm. as a, you know, as a, a responsible tech person, it's like how you're wired up. It's like, we got to do this thing for the team and, and so, okay, yeah, I don't love this, but I got—I don't want to let anybody down. I don't want to let the volunteers down. I don't want to let the pastor down. And yeah, so instead of looking at it like, you know, there's a season for everything. And sometimes it's time to be done. And I don't know about you, but I know I probably, 
in hindsight, like I spent a, a few years of just like, what can I do to make this better? How can I, how can I be to make this work out? And, yeah. and then after a couple of years of it, it's like, whoa, it's not, everything I've tried is not working. So yeah, maybe it's time to move on. If I can blame somebody else for me, you know, staying in that moment and burning out or frying myself or just being discontent, that in some ways is easier for me than for me to sit down and wrestle with what's going on with me. What's God trying to get through to me? How can I, you know, what, what is next for, you know, am I willing to take a step of faith to see what God has for me instead of just being in this thing that, uh, it just doesn't feel like a fit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really thankful for the training. I, I feel like growing up, late nineties, early two thousands, like there's just been, and I was exposed to like a lot of great church teaching and great, great sure, leadership yeah. teaching. And so I think I'd early, early in my career, I'd put that like, Hey, if Sunday's not my favorite day of the week, I, I had just said, that's going to be my like check valve. Sure. Right. You know? And so 10 years later, 15 years, whatever later right. yeah. it happened. And I'm just thankful. Like I had put that commitment in place. So right. that was like my like sound the alarms, all the bells. Like when I yeah. said that out loud, uh-huh. I was like, oh. And so maybe that's the encouragement is like find your 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 little check valve. Find the sure. thing that like if this doesn't this isn't this way anymore, like I need to kind of start looking within and figuring out, you know. Especially in the church, like Sunday's coming and it's relentless and it's just easy to get in a rut of just going through the motions that you're not even thinking about. What is my check valve? What, when should I be looking up to say, am I even, you know, am I in the right spot? Am, yeah. You know? Yeah. We've burned out a lot yeah. in the last 10 or 15 years, like in leadership development training. You're like, everybody's like prevent burnout, be aware of burnout. Like you hear the burnout work. Right. And I think what I want to say is like burnout's one thing, but like career development's a whole nother thing. And so like for me, it was less burnout and more like, what is this career? Right, what am right. what am I doing? What am I doing when I'm 50? Like what? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so that was like, that's what I ended up figuring out is like, okay, what do I do with right. this career that I've developed for 15 years? And now like, I don't know what's going to happen, you know? <laughs> so we we talk about burnout a lot, but I don't know if we've fully talked about career development as an industry. I think that burnout is something that we easily put on somebody else. Mm. They're responsible for my burnout, which I think is a huge mistake. And I think no one is, I was going to say, no one's holding a gun to your head, but maybe some people, maybe there are, you should, you know, try to ask for help, you know, like pass a note to somebody to get out of there. But the, like no one's holding a gun to anyone's head to keep working or doing or, and so I think if there's a if if there's a toxic environment, it's still our responsibility to get out of there. I have been telling this story a lot lately for whatever reason, but my wife she lit into the senior pastor, the the church that I worked at in Michigan, like you're working my husband too hard, you know he this is not right and whatever. And he was just he listened and then he was like, you know what, no one's asking your husband to work that hard. If he needs to like go home, you know, at a reasonable mm. hour, that's on him. Um, and he's got to stand up. And so it was so helpful and painful at the same moment. Sure. But it's like, I think every, uh, there's probably some outliers, but I think most senior pastors or whoever your boss is, they want you to live a balanced, if such a thing exists, you know, a normal, healthy life. Yes. But nobody knows how to do that for you. 
Right. Like nobody knows that you got to go to ballet with your daughter or whatever, whatever the thing yes. is. Nobody else knows how to do that. And so we have to, I think burnout prevention is on us, frankly. Yep. Uh, it's, yep. hard to, it's hard to say that, but uh, I think for the most part, it's true. I think then uh, talking about career advancement and development, it's so funny. I was thinking about it today, actually, and what my progress through my career looked like. And I think I made a few choices where I love production so much that I was given the opportunity for more responsibility. And I'm like, ah, that's really not in my wheelhouse. Or I don't know if I can succeed at it. So I'm going to just say no. And instead of instead of embracing an opportunity for something completely different. And I'm not talking about job change, just like, I mean, I'm thinking about it right now. I was given the chance to like, hey, we're going to, we have 10 key initiatives in our church. Who wants to take one of these? I got, I didn't raise my hand. It was sort of voluntold. Hey, why don't you take this? And then I realized like, they're going to, like, they're looking to see how I do. Mm. So that would potentially open up other opportunities to lead in other areas. And I think, for so many tech people we get so, and for good reason, like tunnel visioned on the thing. Cause it's so yep. like working with tons of volunteers, doing this thing, making sure it doesn't fail. Like there's not a whole lot of time for much else, but what then uh, ends up happening is you hit a ceiling and it's like, I was just yep. fortunate to, to be at Willow Creek where like my, yeah, my career probably was five or six years longer than maybe yours just because of the opportunity of the size of the, right. you know, of the, of the organization. But, and then I, on top of that, I think because we're so tunnel visioned on the thing we're doing, nobody else kind of looks at us and say, oh, there's some, some potential there for leadership outside of, you know, the production area. Yep. Whereas I would say, you know, for most church TDs, so like, let's get out of North Point and Willow Creek and that size, yeah. but most TDs, they touch every ministry they're involved in yes. the kids ministry, the youth ministry, the, they know what's going on. They know how stuff works. This like uh, a ripe opportunity for like an executive pastor in training kind of a yep. thing, you know, but nobody really necessarily looks at that person that way. Right. So, and we don't look at ourselves that way either. So. Right. Yeah. And I, I had some, some guys that I mentor and they're like, I don't know, should I, should I try this or try that or, or go for that? Or I, I'm not qualified for the job. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> don't disqualify you. Like you don't like, yeah. Put yourself in a position where you can say no, you know, like go through all the things and you can decide if you're not going to like later, mm-hmm. but don't disqualify you yourself before you have a conversation. And I think right. there's a little bit for me, uh, insecurity about like chasing something else. Cause you're right. like, wait, all I know is this live event production thing. Like for sure. And so for me, I was like, okay, I'm stuck. The original thought was like, what I do, I'm stuck. I'm either <laughs> going to do church world or I'm going to do live touring because that's like what the two that's industries, it. Yeah, that's right. it, right? Like yeah. that's what we do. So I'm stuck. So then you started like, okay, open back and like Ross video, like there's no, there's no chance, no chance, right, right. you know, yeah. like you got to be kidding me. Okay, let's just try it. See what happens. You yeah, know, yeah. throw my name out there. But God provides when you, you know, give yourselves opportunity to put yourself out there and take some risk and all that stuff. So my role was super comfortable. I loved the people I worked with. Yeah. I didn't have to worry about a whole lot of life type things. And I can even remember feeling like, uh, you know, it wasn't not an audible voice, but it felt like God asking me the question, do you trust me to take care of you without this? 
And my initial yeah. reaction was, no way, I don't. And I think just even getting to that point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I got my claws into this job so much. And I, like, I know how to do it and I don't have to think that hard about it. I'm not taking any risks really. I don't need to trust God for anything. And yeah, I was just kind of faced with that reality. Like, ooh, I don't trust God like for, I mean, I trust God like macro, Right. But, but like every day, yes. yeah, I don't, ooh, <laughs> this is uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you don't mind going back to the kind of the term worship production. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I heard it uh, recently and I'm like, oh, I like the sound of that. Uh, House of Worship. Yeah. I'm kind of with you. Like it, it, I know they're trying to encompass lots of faiths and stuff like that, but it kind of has a weird vibe. Whereas worship production feels like, I think I fall into that category. Yeah. Yeah. I, like it, but obviously it's because you know, <laughs> your idea. It's, kind of yeah, thing. Right. it's not yeah. necessarily. It's not all my idea, but I, I'm not going to take sole credit for it. But I'm. It's definitely the thing of like, that's the the hill I'm dying on. You know, sure, right, right. So uh, I'm not going to change. We're not going to change the industry. Like we're house of worship is going to be a phrase that a lot of people use, right, um, right. forever. But again, I want to be different than all the other manufacturers or most manufacturers, and mm-hmm. I wanted to like. I want to change the perception that like it's not broadcast video. All churches are not broadcast video. We are li- really near the live touring entertainment industry, right. even more than a newsroom. Yep. So for us to be house of worship, it's very like there's a certain broadcast element. And for us, it's like, no, we do produ- we do live production. Right, right. And really concert touring style. Sure. Now there's other styles like TED Talks and other religions and different styles and expressions of their religion. Right. You know, but it still can encompass we do it's everybody's worshiping and and doing production. And house of worship is very like even from a theological, particularly evangelical theological perspective. Uh-huh. It's like house of worship is like, I don't know, it goes against some even the some of the theological concepts. Sure. Right. Calling it a house of worship. Um and so it's like there's a lot of reasons why we should change it. Worship production just we just kind of landed on like Right. There's a lot of other things we could have called it, but like this feels like the most consistent one. Sure. Yeah. So, and do you feel like is there a is there a giant difference in your mind between if you just say production and worship production? Like, is there a vast difference there? Yeah, I probably would have chosen production had we we had at Ross we have a division that does. Um, live event rental type of stuff. Okay. So they are um, Ross Production Services. Got it. Okay. So, you know, when you get in the weeds of it all and you're wrestling around with it, you're (laughs) like, oh God. Like, I'm like, I've been down that. At what, how many different names of Night of Worship can we come up with, right? (laughs) Right. Like, I've been through these exercises, y'all. I know what this is like. (laughs) So you start naming and coming up with like all these different brand ideas. Yeah. Then you realize like, okay, you narrow it down. Like, okay, worship production is going to be the thing. We'll probably end up with a social has- hashtag or account soon. That sure. is just Ross, Ross worship, you know, and I think that'll end up being kind of the broader thing. We have these, um, you'll start, you'll see it soon on our website, but we'll, we'll have like a unique icon. And I went through all these different icons, like churches and different <laughs> yeah, things. I'm like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Back up. <laughs> Not literal. You cannot do literal. And so we came with these like for the uh, uh, O in worship, it's uh, these um, this like circle type of thing. Okay. 
And so for us, it's like, everybody's like, why'd you choose that? I'm like, well, it's community. Like, what is yeah, worship okay. production? Like, right. we are, and that's kind of the thing that I want to, that's the reason why I love podcasts like this. It's like, it takes a community of all of us to talk about these issues, talk about burnout, talk about staffing, talk about design, production design, like all that mm-hmm. stuff. It takes a community. We are so unique that we shouldn't have a competitive edge with each other. Right. We yeah. should have this community-centric right. way about us. And I want Ross to be on the forefront of driving this community conversation right. um, forward. So. That's kind of the heartbeat behind worship production and the little icon that you'll see rolling out here okay. soon. But yeah, nice. it can be gimmicky, but at the end of the day, I kind of no, like I, it. So yeah, we'll see what I, happens. I like it. I, th- I mean, I, like I said, I feel like I've, if you say house of worship, I don't know that I feel like I, I know I fall in the category like uh, mentally, but then, you know, worship production, I'm like, ah, that's, that feels more like cozy or, you know, yeah. just like that. I can do that. Yeah. So, yeah, nice yeah. job. Uh, anything yeah. Ross has coming up, like, you know, that uh, especially for our for our industry that's uh, we should be on the lookout for? Well, we definitely had some stuff. Or something that's out already, yeah. Yeah, it came out. So we we do this incredible router called the Ultrix video router. Mm-hmm. Does audio embedding on and de-embedding on every input and output. We have three different frame sizes. So... It's really awesome. And then we have made our switcher fit into a card on that router. Okay. Which is really amazing. So you can uh-huh. take a carbonite switcher instead of having an external frame that you're like wiring and cabling up. So you have this card, you slide it into the Ultrix frame. And now that switcher has access to internally access to all your inputs, outputs on your router. So, oh, wow. It's really, really powerful. It's really incredible. It's going to be awesome to see how churches use it. We announced it, I think, two months ago. Okay. So it's awesome. And then you can take that big dog acuity switcher that you guys had at um, Willow, and you uh-huh. can actually, we have cards. That same piece of hardware can be, have to be an acuity switcher. Okay. Um, so it's one <laughs> platform, one hardware platform, and it can be either uh, size production switcher. Okay. And you can put it in a big dog, uh, what we call FR5 router, and you can have, you know, a switcher that sees all the inputs in 160. No, it can't do 160. I think it's like a hundred inputs and outputs, you know, that that switcher can just have access to Man. internally. So <laughs> it's really, really awesome. I think that should be enough. We've got, we've gone from what can I do with five fingers to yes, right. <laughs> I got a hundred inputs. Yeah, <laughs> I can do anything. Like you don't have to worry about. And that's I think that's. I get excited about it because I, the, it's the pain point thing where it's like, right. hey, do we got access? Can you put something on that TV in this weird spot? And you're like, okay, it's on the router. How to get it to the switcher? Do I need an Emmy bus to do it? Like you kind of, so and then when you have the switcher and router all together, you're like, yeah, cool. Boom, boom, done. It's you know? there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about that workflow and thinking about the workflow. And I enjoy those conversations on internal at Ross where I can say, hey, Here's how a church person would do it. Sure, right. And they're right. like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, so let's change it this way or whatever, you know? Okay. So, And have you noticed that there's a big difference between kind of how you view using the tools that Ross makes versus how the other industry yes. groups? Yeah. <laughs> so news, news rings are set and forget it. They're, that yeah. piece of gear is going to have one purpose for its entire life. Got it. It's going to run forever and it's going to do one thing. Uh-huh. In the church world, that's not the case. It's like, sure. hey, we got a night of worship. We need to do, we need to play out these four videos all at the same time. 
Right. Well, then it needs to record videos the next Sunday or it needs like, you know, or we need to be able to do this or that or whatever. So production gear in the church has to be highly flexible. Mm. You got to be able to do a lot of things in one hardware box. Um, right. When the newsroom is like, hey, we're going to buy a graphic machine. That's all it does. We're going to buy a router. It's all it does. We're going to buy right. a switcher. It's all it does. But flexibility and versatility is really important in church world. So that's conversations I bring up is like, hey, how can we make sure that we're being flexible and not just making a standalone device that only does one thing? Right, right. So, in in Ross's sort of business, like the I would say most churches are probably using the Carbonite. Like that's the yes. you know the the majority of people using Ross switchers in the church world. From a like percentage of business that Ross has, is that like they're you're selling seventy five percent Carbonites and then everything else, or what's the across the board? We sell the, our most popular switcher is the Carbonite switcher. Okay, across markets, so yeah, news. Yeah. Uh, huh. Worship, sports venue. Okay. Uh, we do an education market, which kind of mimics sure. newsrooms yep, yep. for training and development. And then we do a corporate market for like, yeah, corporate broadcast bases and totally like that. So yep. Carbonite's the number one seller switcher. And then Acuity just, Acuity switcher just has this like next level up type of functionality. Right. Ross found a great sweet spot with a Carbonite because no, the other big dogs in our space. Other uh-huh. manufacturers don't make a mid-tier switcher like the Carbonite, really. Right, um, right. So we're able to really come in in that a really nice sweet spot with the Carbonite with a high-level control. And our dashboard ecosystem allow you to control it from your home if you want to. <laughs> so, and that's all free. Like, you don't have to pay an extra license to be able to do that. Sure, right, so, right. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. So anything uh, on the horizon going to be uh, like a Carbonite in 8K or anything like that? <laughs> no. no, we all of our all of our stuff is 4K already. So our okay. Ultra's all our router. Everything's 4K hardware. So right, it's just when you want to be in 4K, you just buy a license for 4K. All the inputs and outputs are 12G capable. Okay, so right. which is 4K for those sure. of you who don't. Listen, yeah. you don't know video gear. Thank you. Yes, I appreciate 12G it. 12G yeah. <laughs> equals 4K. <laughs> right. 12 gig equals 4K. Yeah. Okay, good to know. Yeah. I, I have a little pet peeve with it because at the end of the day, it's like we're, you, we're viewing things on our computers. It's highly compressed anyway. So I don't know if we're, I don't know if right. the majority of our viewers see all those 4K worth of pixels anyway. Right, right. So it's like, where's the cost? Unless you're sitting in your living room. And you're, you know, close to the TV, uh, but in a live yeah. environment. I mean, yeah, you got to be right up on that. Even even when you're streaming from YouTube or something, it's still a lot of compressions happening, right? Whether right. you like it or not. So yeah. it's like I don't know. Payoff. I just when I get the chance to talk to folks who are contemplating 4K, I'm like, just think about like the acquisition side. Recording native 4K is important. Yeah. Does your whole production system need to be 4K? I don't know. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> Thanks for the advice. Yeah. <laughs> but your editors are going to want 4K. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's where the 8K, 8K conversation comes up is like eventually there'll be acquisition or like cameras. Right. You know, there's 8K cameras on the market now. So it's like, but does your pr- whole production system need to be 8K? No. Right. We're right. not there yet. Yeah. So. what well, I would say the years I was at Willow Creek, we had LED screens, you know, back when not many people did. And they were, they were not HD resolution. 
but you could pump right. HD into it and kind of scale it or whatever. But because it was LED and I'm stand, you know, the closest I ever get to it is 50 feet or whatever. It's like, can't tell the difference. Yeah, yeah that's so. right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks yeah. for joining us. This was yeah. really fun. It was. Oh, it was so great to talk to Jeremy. <laughs> we definitely took a few rabbit trails there. Uh, I was really intrigued by his views on burnout and that maybe it's just a life stage issue instead of we're actually burning out. Uh, yeah, just something I'd not thought of before. And, you know, life stage is definitely a factor. I mean, you know, all my kids are fully grown and out of the house. And so, yeah, I have more time at my disposal than, say, I did when they were very little. So, Anyway, yeah, just a, a great perspective there. I also loved his idea of a safety valve. You know, when Sunday isn't my favorite day of the week anymore, it's time to leave. I said it in the podcast, uh, much of this is on each of us as individuals. Only we know when it's time to go or time to stay or if I'm overwhelmed. It's different for everyone. And, you know, I was always ready to blame my boss in most situations, but if I'm not willing to stand up for myself, no one else will either. So it's up to us. If you like this topic, there's a bunch more like it on our blog. There are hundreds of posts there with all kinds of topics designed to help those of us serving in the technical arts of our local church. Check it out at phyla.org blog. If you go to our show notes, there's four or five options for you to look at. And yeah, I would encourage you. It's a free resource. So why not try to learn something new about how to do your job better? For those of you who might be heading to Infocom the week of October 25th and you happen to love golf, you should consider signing up for the Amplio Golf Tournament, the Worship Classic. I'll be there with some of the Philo team hanging out and we'd love to have you join us. So check out amplio.golf to register. Hope to see you there. You could follow us on social media at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter. You can also consider subscribing to our newsletter on philo.org or subscribing to this podcast to stay up to date on all things Philo. All right. See you later. <laughs>